You are listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. Well, good morning, and also good morning to all my folks in Delton and Middleville and online. And for those of you who were here last week, I was not here last week, and Part of the reason why I was not here last week is because I didn't want to show my face after what happened with Michigan and Michigan State. So for all of you U of M people, you guys can say go blue, go yellow, whatever that is. But here's what I want to say. Just like the phoenix rising from the ashes, there will always be next year. Can I hear it? Go green or white? There we go. You know, I was thinking about this in relationship to baptism. I was thinking about how sometimes in life we find ourselves losing at life. We're doing everything that we can to win, but we just find ourselves, it just feels like everything. We can't get a break in our finances, in our marriage, in our relationship with our kids. And what I've always said when it comes to baptism is if your old life isn't working, How about you exchange it for a new life? And so in baptism, what we do is I like to say that it is a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. So in baptism, I bury my old life underwater symbolically and I rise to a new life in Christ. Because if you think about it kind of like football, you just imagine here you are, you're trying to do your very best and the devil kind of like Michigan keeps coming after you. And keeps cheating and stealing your signs and your, and your direction. And, but yet God is faithful. Can I get an amen up in here? Amen. You didn't know what I was going to do with that. That, that. That's my wife right there. She was singing on the front row. Can you guys give it up for my wife right there? Hey, but let's jump in the final week of this series, Party Like the First Century. Actually, what we're going to talk about today is not Party Like the First Century, but Party Like the Greatest Party Ever. If you got a Bible, I want to invite you to get to Revelation chapter 19. In the book of Revelation, we have John the Apostle, who's been a faithful follower of Jesus. By the time he writes the book of Revelation, he is in a dark place. Most scholars tell me he's been exiled to an island called Patmos. And while he's on that island, you can imagine the fear, the insecurity. How is this going to turn out? And while he's on this island, he has every reason to pout, to cry, to be depressed. But by this time in history, what scholars tell me is all the other apostles who followed Jesus have been martyred for their faith except John. But in the beginning of this book, what John is going to say is on the Lord's Day, talking about Sunday, he says, I was in the spirit or I was focused on God. I was tuned into God, and while I was in the spirit, I got a glimpse of hope. And here's what I want to say to somebody. No matter what's going on in your life, you might feel exiled from your relationships. You might feel like you're in a place where you just feel exiled from God. There's something that happens when you turn your attention to God where he gives you hope. And here's what John is going to see in Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to start in verse 6. He says, I heard what sounded like a great multitude, 
like the roar of rushing waters, like the loud peals of thunder shouting. Hallelujah for our Lord God Almighty reigns. So John says, here I was, alone, confused, ostracized, defeated, and, and, and not really knowing, but I'm tuned in to God, and all of a sudden I see the exact opposite of what I'm feeling. I see this huge multitude, and they're shouting, and they're rejoicing, and they're celebrating. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, here's what they're saying. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready. This is a party that's been in the planning for thousands of years. That, that the lamb, he's going to call Jesus the lamb. Now, if you're Jewish, this makes perfect sense to you because the lamb was the sacrificial lamb. The lamb that was slain on your behalf and so when, they, when they're thinking about this, he says there's this huge party because they're celebrating Jesus, the lamb. And then he goes on to say this in verse 8. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. John is there in the middle of darkness and pain. And he gets a vision of something positive, a party. One that God's been planning. And he's been trying to get people to, from, from, the, from the day Adam and Eve are in the garden. And they break fellowship with God. God's wanted to have this party. He's wanted humanity to be in relationship with him. And this is the moment where it all culminates. I can imagine that's the moment where John starts to do his happy dance. He gets excited. He gets joyful because he's just seen the greatest party of all times. When it comes to this party, here's some of the characteristics I've seen of that party. In verse 6, here's what John says. He says, it will be loud. Loud. You know, there's a song where you sing, it might get loud. It, what John says is this party will be loud. You know, I remember several years ago, um, I was uh, at a conference. And now I'm in my early 40s, and so I'm, I got that midlife swag going on. Can I give an amen for all my midlife folks? And I, I remember I go to this conference, and as soon as I got there, you know, I had traveled all night. The music was so loud. Well, I'll never forget, I had this thought. They need to turn that down. And then the moment I thought to myself, I've become that guy. I have moved into middle life. See, this is a loud party. I mean, imagine the, 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 the roar of many waters, the sounds of thunder, and there's multitudes and people are excited because there is victory. See, if you were at this party, you'd be rejoicing too. No more sickness, no more suffering. No more depression, no more goodbyes. No more trying to figure out how I'm going to pay the rent. No more struggling with sin and darkness. This is a reason to celebrate. It will be loud. 
Here's the second characteristic that I see about this party in verse 7. is not only will it be loud, but it will be joyful. It's going to be joyful. Let us rejoice and be glad. People are happy. Some people have this idea, in heaven, all we are going to do is praise. But what John says is the reason we will praise is because it will be spontaneous because there's a party going on. See, what heaven will be, it's the reset of what God originally intended. That there would be health and rejoicing and hope. Nobody has to fear who's going to betray me, who's going to break my heart, who's going to do me wrong. Because this is a joyful, joyful place to be. Joy. Can you remember your happiest moment? Now, for some of you, your happiest moment is when, you know, if you're a parent, if you, if you had a baby, that was a happy moment for you. And that was your happiest moment, followed by some of your saddest moments. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, because you have that baby and there's so much excitement and then comes the sleepless nights. And then you get into the teenage years and then you get into 20 years and, and you get those moments where you go, oh man, this is hard. Heaven is going to be those happiest moments. But then here's the other thing that John is going to say. He's going to allude to it here, but in chapter 7, he makes it even clearer. Is not only will it be loud and not only will it be joyful, but it's going to be very diverse. Diverse. I want to show you what I'm talking about. In Revelation chapter 7, John is going to describe this party like this. He says this in verse 9. After this, I looked. And before me, there was a great multitude no one could count from every nation, tribe, and people, and language standing before the throne of the Lamb. They were wearing white, and they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. He says, here I looked up, and there was people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. There, there, there were some that says, hallelujah, Jesus. And then there was somebody else who said it in a foreign language, in a German language. And, and, and it was the most beautiful sound because people from every tribe and tongue are at this party. And then I want you to notice that they're wearing green and white. Can I get an amen up in here? <laughs> When you get to heaven, you're going to be a Michigan State fan. I'm, 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 I'm totally joking. He's adding to the Bible. Yes, I am. But it's what I saw. It's what I wanted to be there. But you will be wearing white at least. There's going to be joy in heaven because it's going to be diverse. And here's the interesting thing about heaven. Diversity will not create separation. It will create interest and unity. Wow. You live for your faith way over there in, in that part, and you literally lost your life for your faith. Tell me what it was like to be a Christian in Iraq or Iran. Oh, you were a Christ follower in Chicago. You were a Christ follower in Hastings and Delton in Middleville, and, and we will exchange stories, and there would be so much hope and excitement about this great, 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 great party. Here's what I want to tell you if you are far from God. Maybe you just came to church today because somebody invited you. You're going to see them get baptized. God wants you to be at this party. The, the party of all ages is what God has been trying 
to invite you to for a long time. Because here's the other thing I see about this party is that you were invited. You're invited to the party. That's why all your life, you've had this nudge that something's missing. That there's something inside you that says there's got to be just more to life than just, you know, making money and having girlfriends and having boyfriends. I need something more. It's because you've been invited to a party with the Savior. A party where you're going to be experience all the hope you could ever experience. But here's the last thing about that party is that you might be invited, but you got to accept the invitation. You got to accept it. Here, here's what Peter said about this, and I think Peter said it really well. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he said, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He says, here's the thing. A lot of people have some issues with God because when they look around the world, they think, where is God? There's a war going on right now in, in the Middle East. Where's God in the middle of that? Where's God in the middle of my heartbreak? He says, God is not slow. You know, when I think about this, I think about this like in the context of every married couple. In most married couples, there's somebody who's always on time and there's somebody who's never on time. I happen to be one of those people who's always on time. So then that means that my wife has never been on time for anything that we've ever done in our lives. And I remember when we got married. So, you know, we get married and, and man, you know, we're coming together and everything's going to be, you know, smooth. And I remember the very first wedding I did, I was excited to, you know, do this wedding. And so I'm going through my paces. I don't want to mess up this wedding. And my wife was going with me. And so she said, what time do we have to be there? And so I lied to her. I said, we got to be there an hour and a half before we actually have to be there. So we're getting ready, and I got it all planned out. Oh, this is going to be great. And right at the moment where we're getting ready to go to the wedding, Jen says, I realize I need something to do. There's something I need to do. She starts doing all of this stuff. And the whole time, I'm smiling because I had a plan. And so I just want to say, if you are married to somebody who's always late, Here's what your pastor is telling you. Lie to them and you will get there on time. I, I got you. I got you. I, I'm just joking. Do not lie. Um, anyway, I, I don't know how to come back from that one. But here's the point I'm trying to say. Is we got there on time. Because she's got a different concept of time than I do. I, I, I like to be there on time. God's not slow. God has a plan. But here's what he does say about God. He says, instead, he is patient with you. God's not slow, but he's patient. Why does God allow me to mess up the miss the mark so many times? And yet at the same time, he's still calling me into a relationship with him. Why, why does God allow so many bad things to happen? Why does he allow so many of us to do bad things? It's because God is patient. God is patient. 
God's not like that angry stepdad who, who says you are never going to be, you'll never get it, you'll never be good enough. God is patient. And then he goes on to say this, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is patient. He's patient with you. You know, I, I know that there's somebody who's listening to me right now. And you have a hard time understanding God's patience because God is more patient with you than you are with yourself. See, you've always lived with this idea that what makes you successful is perfection. But yet God loves you for who you are. But he's patient as he brings you through a process of change. God's patient. And when you mess up, God's saying, get up. When you mess up, God says, I want a relationship with you. Now, how does Peter know this is because Peter experienced the patience of God. If you know Peter's story, it starts off like this. Peter is out there fishing. And while he's fishing, he's just doing his thing. And then one day Jesus shows up and says, can I borrow your boat? He says, sure. Jesus gets in his boat. He speaks to the masses. And then he says to Peter, who's been fishing all night and caught nothing, he says, launch out into the deep, and you're going to find a catch. And Peter says, Lord, we've labored all night. Lord, I'm a professional fisherman. I know how to do this. you got to sneak up on the fish, and you got to work it and try, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I have failed. But if you say so, I'll give it a try. So he launches out into the deep. He catches so many fish that his net begins to break. And that's the moment where he comes to Jesus. He says, you got to get away from me. Because there's something good. There's something different about you. I'm a sinful person. See, my fishing experience is a metaphor for my spiritual life. That I've tried really, really hard and I keep on failing. I keep on falling short. I keep on missing. I, I can't figure out how to make a connection. And Jesus says, come and follow me. And I'll make you a fisher of men. Peter, follow me. I'll give you real purpose. Real meaning. And, and if you know the story, Peter does. But on the very last night of Jesus' life, you can imagine Jesus is there with his disciples. He's heartbroken because he knows what's going to happen, how he's going to be lied, mocked, stripped, beaten, and crucified. And Jesus tells his disciples, he says, every one of you are going to betray me. And Peter says, not me. I'll be there to the end. And then I imagine Jesus looks at Peter with tears in his eyes and he says, before the rooster crows three times, or before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And just like Jesus said, one after another, Peter misses the mark. He denies Jesus. He feels like a total and utter failure. But after Jesus resurrects, he comes and he finds Peter. And he didn't say, Peter, I told you so. He says, Peter, do you love me? I still want you to feed my sheep. 
I still have a purpose for you because I am patient. God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish. Peter says, I know this because I've experienced this, that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. Here's what it means to repent. It's I'm going in this direction, and I change my mind, and I start going in this direction. He said, I'm changing course. What, what, what Peter says is, he says, God doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to make the right turn, to move in God's direction. So here's how I want to bring this to a close. You know, maybe you're here today, and that's where you're at. You've been impatient with yourself, but you just realize that God wants to invite you to his party. And if you're in here and you want to start a relationship with God, I would love to pray a simple prayer with you. Now, here are the couple promises I always make when I pray this prayer. Number one, the words that I'm going to say are not magical. And I promise you, I won't embarrass you. I won't even make you raise your hand. But if you will pray the prayer that I'm going to pray with you, you are going to enter into a relationship with God. It's like you saying yes to God's invitation to the party. So will everybody bow your head and close your eyes? You know, I want you to think about your life. Are you kind of like Peter? You've been doing your best, but you keep on falling short. Maybe God's using this message to just grab your attention and say, man, I want you in a relationship with me. If that's you and you want to start a relationship with God, I'm going to pray this prayer. And you just repeat the words after me just quietly in your heart. And what's going to happen is you're going to say yes to God's invitation. The words go simply like this. Just say this after me. Dear Jesus, today, I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart through your Holy Spirit. And from this day forward, to the best of my ability, I will follow you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate with the people who prayed that prayer for the first time? Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tbcweb.com.